Welcome, listeners, to two tales from the 1940s. Oh, yes, a set of old-time radio episodes just for you. Tweaked and remastered so your ears aren't bleeding at the end of the show, and as many clicks and pops removed so that your speakers don't erupt into gibberish. Now, folks, your first tale is The Man in Black. Mystery surrounds this figure, and the tale writes out of the halls of fantasy to keep you guessing. Is your friend in the darkness still? Your friend, or someone, or something else? And our second tale, The Feast of the Red Gauntlet, involving Steenie Steenson, of Scottish descent, and a pact with the spectre that he will never forget. Turn the lights down low. Turn the sound up high and snuggle up close to your radio tonight. And now, the Hall of Fantasy. about this man, are you? Take it as you will, my good sir. Put your own interpretation upon the words I have spoken. Yes, master. I understand. What did you say? I answered him. What do you mean? The wind. The mocking sound of the wind is his voice. He has seen... He has looked into your minds and seen you. But he sees only one woman. One woman in both of your minds. First, she shall die. Then, you. Both of you. Yes, Master. I hear and obey. In just a moment, the Hall of Fantasy will present The Man in Black. And now for our story. An original tale of fantasy by Richard Thorne entitled The Man in Black. We live in a world which borders at times on the unreal. A world that cannot explain the various phenomena which seem to have neither beginning nor end. That subtle, fleeting power of perception which reveals itself to a human being only at infrequent intervals throughout his life. That sudden, sharp feeling that danger or death is near. These things mankind cannot explain. This sixth sense of warning never appears when we go about our everyday tasks. But only when we are faced with an insurmountable problem. Imminent and deadly peril. 
Such is the tale of the man in black. It was a cool, quiet night. That night it began. For some reason, Brian had insisted that we take a stroll in the park. That's late, Brian. Almost 11.30. I know, David. Beautiful night, isn't it? Yes. A good night for sleeping. The lights come out here about this hour. It seems to give me a sense of belonging. That sounds strange coming from you. Well, I'm quite serious, David. I feel no relation with the rest of the world. But out here in the park, listening to the sound of the crickets, or footsteps on the walk, I feel as if I belong. You understand what I'm trying to say? I think so. Another thing, it's strange, but I have a feeling. A feeling that something is wrong, that something is going to happen. What do you mean? Something inside of me. I almost know that something will happen that will change the entire course of my life. Oh, I think you're just a man. woman coming towards us. Yes, I see her. I wonder if... Man in black. Have you seen that man in black? I'm sorry, but we haven't... Just a minute, David. Let her talk. Have you seen him? Have you seen the man in black? No, I'm afraid not. Oh, I thought perhaps you could help me. I must find him. Well, we haven't seen anyone out here tonight except you. The man in black. I must find the man in black. What does she mean? I don't know. The man in black. Maybe we ought to follow her. Now, let her go. That's strange. What? It was so still before, and now the wind seems to have sprung up from nowhere. <laughs> Listen. She went off in that direction. Let's take a look. wonder why she screamed. Well, she couldn't have gotten too far. Look up ahead. That must be her. Lady, is anything... What's the matter with her? She's dead. Dead? That's right. I wonder who he is. Who? The man in black. Everything we knew. There were no marks on the woman's body, nothing to indicate the manner in which she died. The police were inclined to believe she died from natural causes. But Brian and I felt there was something behind her death that concerned the man in black. I didn't see Brian for almost two weeks. At the end of that time, I received a call from Carol Deming, Brian's bride-to-be. Hello? not Carol? David, Brian wants you to come to dinner tonight. Any particular reason? I think so. And what is it, do you know? No, I'm not sure. David, I'm frightened. Brian's been so, so strangely mysterious lately. He seems obsessed with only one idea. Something about a man in black. Not once during dinner did Brian mention the subject. It was perhaps an hour after the meal. The three of us were sitting in the library when he brought up the subject of the man in black. Remember that woman we saw in the park, David? Yes, of course. She aroused your interest, didn't she? Yes. She did the same thing to me. Only I did something about it. Brian, I wish you'd forget about this. I can't, darling. I know how you feel about it. I did my best to forget it, but I couldn't. Still, don't you think that... My mind will never be quiet until I get to the bottom of this. Maybe the woman we saw was upset. It was quite evident, David. I made some inquiries about this supposed man in black just to see if anyone knew anything about it. 
And? And I discovered that no person alive was described in that way. Well, then you can forget about it. I said, anyone alive. What do you mean by that, Brian? The man she was talking about has been dead for 30 years. Well, then that ends your investigation, doesn't it? I'm afraid not. Why not, Brian? Well, I've placed down every last clue about him. Only then will I be satisfied. Who was he, this man in black? An immigrant to this country, David. He's buried in the mausoleum in a private estate about 40 miles north of the city. You mean he lived here? No, he didn't. It was his dying wish that a mausoleum be built and his body placed there after his death. No one knows where he came from. Well, why should he pick this location? I don't know, David, but I intend to find out. How? I understand there's a caretaker for the estate. I intend going to him to learn the story. When? Tomorrow. Do you mind if I come along? Of course not. What about you, Carol? No. I don't want to go with you, and I wish you wouldn't go either. There's nothing to be afraid of. Are you sure, Brian? Are you really sure? What's the matter, Carol? Over there. At the window. There's nothing there. Oh, but there was. There was something over there. I couldn't see it clearly, Brian, but it was there. The grotesque figure of a man's face floating outside the window. Neither Brian nor I saw anything outside the window, and we put it down to Carol's imagination. She asked us again not to go out there, but Brian insisted, and in the end, won out. The following day, in the late afternoon, we started out to the estate. This is the road that leads into the estate. It seems so lonely out here. Yes, doesn't it? Almost as if this little area was set apart for everything else. Maybe it's the day. Gray, overcast. Well, that all adds to it, of course. Uh, up ahead, is that it? Yes. Under that one building with that semicircle of trees behind it. I thought you said he was buried in a mausoleum. He is. You mean that? I don't like this, Brian. Are you afraid? Maybe. Look, there's an old man standing in the doorway. Looks as if he were waiting for us. I wouldn't be surprised if he was. Well... Let's go meet him. Uh, maybe we ought to go back. Of course not. We've already come this far. We'd be crazy to turn back now. Good day, gentlemen. I've been expecting you. Well, he's come to find out. No need to tell me. Just follow me, please. He said you would be here about this time. Who? I'll tell you later. So, so dark in here. Your eyes will become accustomed to it the darkness. Just come with me. What do you think? I don't know. You said something? No. No, nothing at all. This is the room. Right in here. You wish to learn of the man in black. Am I correct? Yes. Can't we have more light? The candle is burning in here. Don't throw off much light. I'm sorry. That would be against his orders. Whose orders? He who walks by night. What can you tell us about this man in black? Quite a good deal. The man who lies in a stone coffin in the center of this room died some 30 years ago. Yet his body is as it was when he was alive. Perhaps you would like to look at him. No. I'm sorry. You ought to look on him. After all... He has laid claim to you already. What do you mean? 
the woman you met some time ago. She was the first link in the chain. The last in her chain, but the first in yours. They who search for the man in black shall die, but not before they see the one they love most in this world die first. The wind. Where did it come from? It is always there when he wants to speak to me. It is the sound of his voice. You're not serious about this man, are you? Take it as you will, my good sir. Put your own interpretation upon the words I have spoken. Yes, master. I understand. What did you say? I answered him. What do you mean? The wind. The mocking sound of the wind is his voice. He has seen. He has looked into your minds and seen you. But he sees only one woman. One woman in both of your minds. First she shall die. Then you. Both of you. Yes, master. I hear and obey. <laughs> the voice. Where's that voice coming from? From his coffin. Stop now. Yes. He has stopped laughing. Your meeting is over now. But you will see him again quite soon. Remember to look for the man in black. The old man showed us out of the mausoleum. So cold and lifeless. So frightening to behold. We sat silent for some minutes as we drove back. Then Brian broke the unnatural quiet. I didn't know you felt that way about Carol. Oh, he was mistaken, Brian. You're not a very convincing liar, David. It's true, isn't it? Yes. I'm sorry. Forget it. All right. What do you think? About the story the old man told us? I hope he's crazy. What if he isn't? Then I... I don't know. I just don't know. When we get back to town, Dave, we'll pick up Carol and head for my place. Why? Strange, but... Something tells me that what the old man said was true. From the back of my mind, I also knew that what the old man had said was true. What bothered me was that we knew we were doomed to die, but not from which direction death would come, nor what form it would take. phoned Carol from a little roadhouse just outside the city. She was waiting for us when we pulled up in front of the apartment building in which she lived. And there it was only a short drive to Brian's place. And that's the story, Carol. I... I can't believe it. You know, sitting here in your house, Brian, with the lights on like this and everything so normal, I find it difficult to believe myself. Perhaps we were mistaken, Brian. Maybe nothing will happen. You really believe that, David? I'm trying to. Just a minute. What time was it when you were out there? Oh, it must have been about five. Why? Well, maybe it was my imagination, but just about that time, I heard someone laughing. The voice came from behind me. I turned around to look, and no one was there. It could have been the laugh we heard. But we were there. How could she possibly have heard anything at the precise moment we did? The old man said it was his voice issuing forth from the coffin, the voice of the man in black. No. It's just thunder, Carol. It's been threatening to rain all day. Every time the old man said he heard the voice, did you notice how the wind would spring up? 
There was another sound, too. I don't know what it was. It was there. Never forget. Oh, what are we going to do? I'm going to hire bodyguards. Take protective measures against anyone getting near. Listen. The wind. And that sound we heard in the mausoleum. Where's it coming from? I don't know. <laughs> Carol, what's wrong? What's the matter? There's something at the window. Hey, Carol, who's twisted face? Gone. The window's broken. It was looking in at us, watching the three of us. And those eyes, those terrible eyes. I'm afraid, Brian. Brian, you have to do something before it's too late. A moment before, the three of us had been witness to an amazing and terrifying sight. For outside the window, we had seen a face. Distorted and twisted. Burning in his eyes, they spoke. Death. I'm afraid, Brian. Brian, you have to do something before it's too late. Was that the same face you saw before, Carol? Yes, only now it was much clearer. What are we going to do, Brian? Maybe we should call the police. They probably wouldn't believe us. Now, you used a detective agency a few months ago. I'm going to call them. Telephone number should be here in my desk. Now, take it easy, Carol. But it's just that I... I'm so frightened. We'll be all right as soon as we can get some guards here. Francis, is that you? This is Brian Connolly. I want every available man you have to come out here tonight. You know my address. Yes, thank you. They'll be out here as soon as possible. Is Radcliffe coming? No. But we'll have eight men here in the house to give us protection. We'll stay here, the three of us. That way we'll have a better chance. Oh, if only you hadn't been so interested in what that woman had to say, Brian. I was. I'm sorry. That's over and done with, Carol. I'm as much to blame as he is. I suppose we all are. There's nothing we can do except wait, Carol. But I'm sure the man in black will call on us again. Not when we have help. Don't know anything about the story. 
Are you sure? Of course I am. The only thing they've been told is to watch for a man in black clothing. Why should the guard know anything? Did you see his face? What was he wearing? Well, it was too dark out there in the hallway. Of course, he might have heard something about it. No, he couldn't have. I didn't even tell Radcliffe the story. But how did he know it? Unless he was the man in black. There's something about him. It seems so strange. I, I can't place it, but he frightened me. we better search the house. Wind again. That sound. He is here in the house. It was Carol's voice. And that man wasn't a guard. Come on. Guard. Guard. Nobody in. Carol, are you all right? Carol. Anything happened to her? The door to her room. It's open. Carol. She's dead. Just like the woman in the pub. It can't be. What happened to the guard outside her door? What happened to all of the guards in the house, Brian? I've seen a single one on our way up here. Will they ever start this? We'd better call the police. Is there a phone up here? No, no extensions up here. You phone. I'll stay here with Carol. It won't do you any good to stay up here, Brian. She's dead. You'd better come with me. I guess you're right. Oh, Brian. Sorry. I should have known that the man in the hall... Not your fault. Was... I'm to blame. I started this. I can't understand what happened to the guard. Whoever he is. Whatever he is. He has the power, David. Something evil and malignant. Send the guards away. It would be a simple matter for him. You can use the phone in the library. You look all done in, Brian. You'd better sit down in that chair over there. All right. I'll never forgive myself. I hope they can get here in time. I don't know what it'd be. Oh, that's strange. Well, I'm not getting any dial tone. Something's wrong with the phone. Oh. What's the matter, Brian? Nothing. I can't get to the police. The lines must be down. Yes, there must be. I thought I heard you moan when I was trying to get to the police. You were mistaken. It's rather dark in here, and with you sitting in that chair with your back to me, your voice sounds different. Does it? Yes. Stay where you are. Something's wrong with you. What is it? Don't you know? No. Perhaps you should look at my face. You're not, Brian. The man in the hallway, you're... The man in black. What... What happened to... Your friend. We exchanged places for a while. You mean he's dead? That's correct. As you will be soon. Don't come any closer to me. Are you afraid? Why don't you run? I can't move. Now, you see him. The man in black, face to face. And now, you die. The wind. The mocking sound of the wind is his voice. The last link in the chain has been broken. Death will strike at those who search for the man in black. For he is dead. So runs tonight's tale of the unusual, the terrifying, the unknown. 
Join us again when next we journey down the corridors of the Hall of Fantasy to hear another strange tale of the supernatural. All characters and events portrayed in these programs are fictional, and any similarity to actual events or persons, living or dead, is purely coincidental. Can the dead return to life? Listen to the weird circle. that the swinging branches recall tonight. But I never heard their mournful movement without my thoughts gone backwards. Backwards to the doer years, the terrible times of Sir Robert Red Gauntlet. This countryside will long remember him. For our fathers used to draw breath thick when they heard him named. I, Steeny Steenson, was his tenant. And I and every tenant man in Sir Robert Red Gauntlet's ground had to join the master in his killing raids on the liberal Whigs. That night, Red Gauntlet hung three neighbor men I knew. My heart was like a stone, but I held no ill will against the men myself. And worse luck would have it, I was the last man to leave the frightful scene, for Davy, my old horse, went lame on me. The three dead men hung high over my head, the gibbet creaking and swaying as I looked over Davy. And all of a sudden, a stranger rode up through the woods. A lean, gaunt creature he was, in loose, ill-fitting clothes. And his white mare made no sound as she stepped on dry branches. I stood frozen a minute. And then somehow, I plucked courage to say, What are ye, man of spirit? I'm a stranger to you, though I'm not a stranger in these woods. Do you know where you are, Steeny Steenson? Not rightly, sir. We rode and rode, and I drank a, a deal of brandy for a... I, I didn't like the business we're about, and I paid little attention to our direction. This is the wood of the dead, Steeny. Uh-huh. If you kill in these woods, and you linger long enough for me to find you, then you must give an accounting. I'll have you know, sir. I, I had no part in the hanging of those three men there. Rust of soul. But your very presence gave consent. Did you protest? I'm attending to Red Gauntlet. My fathers and forefathers lived on his land. And it's the unwritten law, sir. We think and do as a red gauntlets. But I've no stomach for killing men on account of their opinions. Men like you, of weak will, Steeny Steenson, let the red gauntlets of the world rule with bloody hands. But you're in the wood of the dead tonight. And to these three men who hang on the gibbet, you must make some restitution. Well, sir... And how can I do anything now for dead men? They leave families, Steeny. Young ones and wives. 
You have a bag of silver hidden in your chimney at home. You must divide it among the three widows. But how can I do that, man? The money's for my rent. I've little gift for saving. And I'm two terms back now for the rent due to that gauntlet. There's just the right amount of the bag. And it's all the money I have, sir. How you will pay your rent must be your own worry. But you shall not leave these woods tonight alive. Unless I know that you mean in your heart to divide that bag of silver among the three widows. Well, I'm no man to be blind to the corner the wind blows in. I don't know who you are or what you are, stranger. Maybe I'd soon not know. But I can feel you mean every word you say. I'll divide the money among the three families. Sir. Good. We'll meet again, Steeny Stevenson. Someday. A very good night to you. And a good night, stranger, to... I started to say it, but the horseman and horse had vanished. Fairly melted into the woods before I could finish my words. Not a sound I made as the white mare stepped with a fine gait on the dead dry twigs. But keep my word I did to the ghostly stranger. The very next morning, I went to the three widows and gave them the money. Now came the problem for the rent. For Sir Robert Red Gauntlet was no man to be put off for more than two terms, and I was due to pay him that very day. Now, I'd, I'd done many a man a favor in the countryside by playing the bagpipes at weddings and all that sort of merriment. And I was what you might call in demand. So I went to the friends my bagpipes had made for me and asked them for the loan of some silver. From about 20 sources, I picked up the money to make the full amount. And away I trudged to Red Gauntlet's castle with a heavy purse. The old serving man, Dougal McCallum, met me in the great hall. He seemed beside himself with worry as he said, Steenie, the master is in an evil mood for he's suffering hard with the gout. Well, pay the rent on my scout or no gout. Uh, by the way, Dougal, is Sir Robert's pet monkey, what's his name, there with him today? Aye, aye, the monkey made you weir, sitting like an evil spirit in his little red lace jacket, perched on the master's shoulder. Ah, uh, it's afraid he'd be. I hate that little jackanapes. Well, come, man, I'd like to get this business over. Uh, this way, Steenie. I've never seen the master look so bad. But don't you tell him so. Come in, come in. Don't be so slow about it. What are you, snails crawling in? Just you, jackanapes. I'll give you the back of my hand. Dougal, take the monk off my shoulder. Aye, sire. The major's full of chatter today. Come, monk. Uh, honey, sit down like a good little beast on your pillow. Uh, Sir Robert... Steenie Steenson's come to pay his rent. Yes, Sir Robert. Here, here I am, man. I see you, man. I see you. Are you come right-handed, you son of a thistle? Uh, no, Sir Robert. The rent for two terms is right here in the bag. Well, I'm surprised to get it all at once. I... Oh! Oh, this blasted gout is enough to drive a man to make a pact with the devil himself. Oh, don't say things like that, Sir Robert. The evil one might hold you to it. <laughs> Ah, you hypocrite, Steenie. You know as well as I do that everyone believes I've already made a pact with the devil. And everyone's sure of where I'm going when I die. I never listened to gossip, Sir Robert. Uh, now, if you'll count the silver and give me the receipt, I I'd best be going. All right, Steenie. Dougal, take Steenie to the hall and give him a cup of brandy. While I count the silver and make up the receipt. Come along, Steenie, with some right fine brandy just down from Edinburgh. I am never a man, Dougal, to refuse a sample. Oh, I say, I'm 
this whole brass that goes. Hey. Bring me a bowl of cold water. Oh, the master is having a rest again. you idiot. What's the matter? What can I do? Was the master worse? Steenie, Steenie, run, man. Get on your horse and fly for the doctor. I'll do that. Sir Robert looks back to me. Out of Red Gauntlet's castle, I rode as fast as I could and rode hard to bring Dr. McKenney. I felt in my bones this was no light illness of Red Gauntlet's. The doctor and I were soon back in the castle. And as we opened the door, I thought how uncommonly quiet it was. Then old Hutch and the butlers come toward us. You're too late, Steenie, with the doctor. Steenie and I rode as fast as we could. What happened, man? The worst. Sir Robert Red Gauntlet is dead. Heaven keep us so. Well, well. That's sad news, Hudson. Of course, I'll have to confirm the death and make out the proper papers. Yes, sir. I know. This way, please, sir. I tiptoed out and laughed that place of death. For I knew it only be in the way. And so deep was I in the thoughts of Red Gauntlet's end that I was a fair way home when of a sudden I remembered. Hadn't I left the silver for the rent there and never got a receipt? But then I considered old Dougal was a witness to the fact that I brought the money. And in due time, it would all be put to rights. And so the matter would have been had not the uncanniest bad luck happened the night before Red Gauntlet's funeral. That night, old Dougal invited Hutchins to his room for a round of drinks before they went to bed. Hutchins told me more than once about that strange night. Hardly was he seated in the room when Dougal said, Hutchins. We've both served the dead master a long, long time. Aye. And though Red Gauntlet may have used an iron hand to others, he was good to us. Well, here's long life here, Dougal. Thank you, Hutchin. But I know I'm not long for this world. Oh, come now. Don't let the master of death make you morbid. It's not that I'm morbid. But you know the master and I were more like two brothers. I've followed Sir Robert through good and ill, through pool and streams. I've followed with a blind devotion. And though the master goes to the evil place, I too would have to follow. And I think it won't be long. Man, man, get hold of yourself. I'll begin to think Sir Robert's death has turned your reason. You're sure to think that when you hear what I have to tell you. As you know, Red Gauntlet lies in state in his own room. And I've been sleeping as usual in the room which adjoins his. If you remember, Sir Robert used to blow on his small silver whistle for me to come and turn him over in his bed. Well, Hutchin... As true as I'm alive this minute, every night since Red Gauntlet's death, I've heard that whistle. I've heard that silver whistle blow of the night. Dougal, you make my hair stand on end. Man, you must have dreamed such a thing. I did not dream it. I heard the silver whistle. And so frozen was I with terror that I did not stir. But in the daytime, my conscience hurt me. For I can't let even death break my service to Sir Robert. Listen, there, there it is. Red Gauntlet Silver Whistle. The Lord keep our souls. It's an awful sound. I've got to go, Hutchin. I've got to answer Red Gauntlet's call, just as I used to. But, man, you cannot be turning a corpse over in its bed. I've got to go. Stand by me, Hutchin. At least... Go with me to Red Gauntlet's door. I have no will for such doings, but I can't fail you in a pinch like this. Come, men. The master is impatient. Never did this hall seem so long, Dougal. Aren't we two adult-headed old men to be answering a silver whistle blown by a dead man? And on second thoughts, Dougal, maybe we only imagined we heard the whistle. We did not dream it, Hutchin. Oh, well. 
We're near to the master's bedroom now. A dread open in the door. Aye. The light of the candles might reveal to us more than we want to see. But open the door we must. Dougal, look. The dead master lies just as we left him. Dead and quiet. But Hutchin, look. Look on the foot of the bed. It's the foul fiend himself. The evil one. So shocked were Dougal and Hutchin by the sight of the evil one sitting there at the foot of Red Gauntlet's bed that they fainted dead away. Finally, when Hutchin came out of the faint and gathered his wits about him, he found old Dougal lying in a heap dead. Dougal had joined Red Gauntlet in the last long jump. Now, when I heard about Dougal's death, I felt sad indeed. But I'm afraid I felt more pity for myself than anyone. For Dougal was the only witness to the silver I'd left for the two times event. Now, Sir Robert Redgauntlet's son, Sir John, had come up from London for the funeral and to put things to right. In due time, he called me to come to see him, for I knew for certain he would. I stood before him in the great hall, and Sir John said, Steenie Steenson, uh, you're down here for two terms' rent. That's a whole year. Uh, please, Your Honor, Sir John, I paid it to your father. Oh, you've got a receipt then, Dr. Steenie, and can produce it. Indeed, I hadn't time, sir. For no sooner had I set down the silver and Sir Robert was drawing the bag to him when he was taken with the pains that took him out of this wall. Oh, that's very unlucky. But perhaps you paid it in the presence of somebody. Aye, Sir John. There was nobody in, in the room but Dougal McCallan. And as your honor knows, he soon followed the dead master. Very unlucky again, Steenie. Very strange to me that no one has told me that a bag of silver was found on the table after my father died. Uh, perhaps the butler Hutchins knows something about it, sir. All right, I'll see what he has to say. Hutchin! Hutchin! Yes, Sir John? Hutchin, I wonder that I was never told about a bag of silver left by Steenie Steenson the day my father died. It should have been found on this very table by which my father had been sitting. But we found no bag of silver, sir. I came running at once when the master cried out. And it was I who put the room to rights after we'd carried out the body. But I did leave the money right there on the table. Well, Hatchin, there's only one thing to do. Call all the servants together and question them. Hmm. And if I can find no proof that the bag of silver was stolen, what story then are you going to tell me, Steenie? Where will you suggest we look for the money? In the evil place, if you want my opinion, sir. In the evil place with your father and his silver whistle. I paid the money for the whole year's rent, and there's an end of it. Oh, no, it's not. You will produce the rent or the receipt for the rent by this time tomorrow. Or I shall have you put in chains. Now get out. I rode away from the castle fairly seen red. Here I was, the same Steeny Steenson who only a few weeks before had been the most popular piper in the countryside. The toast of every feast and frolic. And now of a sudden, men would be calling me names. A thief, a cheat, and worse. I rode on and on, little caring where my horse Davy led me. Finally, I realized I was in a thick patch of wood. And I noticed of a sudden that beside me was riding a stranger, the lean gaunt man in ill-fitting clothes, on a white mare. A white mare that made no sound as she stepped on dry branches. Just as the night of the hanging, I said, What are ye, man of spirit? I'm your friend, Steenie. I've come to help you. Unless you can lend me money. There's no other help you can give me in this world. But there may be some help in another world. Now, I can tell you this. 
Sir Robert Redgauntlet is disturbed in his grave by your curses and black thoughts of him. And if you will venture to see him, he will give you the receipt. Stranger, I have the courage to go to the very gates of the evil place and a step further for that matter, for that receipt. All right then, Steenie. Turn sharply to the left. <laughs> Make your horse wind in and out of that thick settlement of black fur. Here we are. But I, but I can't believe no one is. We're in the courtyard of Red Gauntlet's castle. Or the estate is miles away from this place. Yours is not the question, Steenie. Go to the castle door. Dougal will let you in. Dougal? Well, the man's as dead as a mackerel. What, what place am I in? Courage, courage, Stinney. Remember, you must get that receipt. Go to the door. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Go away. For I'd as soon be dead myself as the bay in the fix I'm in. Well, dearie, me good horse. <laughs> Goodbye. If I don't come back, you'll know I've gone to... Heavenly days. There's Dougal standing there, waiting at the door for me. Dougal. Dougal, man. I never thought to see you alive again. I'm not alive, Steenie. I Now listen carefully. When you're inside Red Gauntlet's castle, take nothing from anybody there, neither meat or drink or silver, for they will bind you to that unholy party. Take nothing except that receipt which is your own. Come. <laughs> Dougal, what a ghastly scene of revelers. There's the fierce Middleton, and the dissolute rocks, and the crafty lord of them, and the wild bunshaw, and all the other wicked ones I've known and played the bagpipes for at feast. And every one of them dead now. And yet I see them laughing and raveling there. But take note, Steenie, and death has in life it's my master, Sir Robert Red Gauntlet, who has the place of honor at the feast. Hello, friends. It's Stevenson. Look who's come to visit us. Come close. Hey, yes, sir. How's your health, sir? <laughs> Did you hear that, man? How's my health? Why, Steenie, it's as bad as could be expected. Well, I, I'm sorry, sir. But where's Major, your monkey? It seems strange to see you without your pet, sir. Here is a little cushion ready for the monk. Before nightfall tomorrow, the little lake will be with me. Well, no, yeah. Let's get to business. You've come here for that receipt for your year's rent, haven't you, Steenie? Yes, sir, and if you'll kindly give it to me, I'll go. Oh, but first you must play me a tune of the bagpipes. Dougal! Dougal, your immobile, the Bob. Bring Steenie the pipes I've been keeping for him. Robert, sir, Robert. This scene in your awesome presence have fairly taken my breath away. I fear I have none left to play the pipes. Then you must eat and drink, Steenie, while we do little else here. And it's likely to be ill-speaking between a full man and a fasting one. I've not come to eat or drink, sir, but simply for what's more. Give me that receipt. All right, you pitiful cur. All right, it here and now. Dougal, bring me the quail. I have everything ready, sir. Good. Here, here. This 25th of November, from my appointed place, I, Sir Robert Brett Gauntlet... To assert that Steenie Steenson paid me in silver one year's rent. Here's Steenie's receipt. Ah, thank you, sir. And tell my rogue of a son to go look for the bag of silver 
In the cat's cradle. In the cat's cradle. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. No, no, no. Not so fast, my man. I'm not done with you. Here we do nothing for nothing. On a year this very day, you must return and pay the pipe for me. That will be your payment and my pleasure. I don't care a lot for your pleasure, son. I'd affirm myself only to the good Lord. At the mention of the holy name, it seemed to me that the whole earth shook. And I lost both breath and sense. When it came to it, it was early morning. I was in the woods, a full five miles from home. And Davy, my horse, was feeding nearby. And then I laughed. And I thought what a nightmare of a dream I had. But then I realized I was holding something tight in my hands. And I looked. And I found the held a receipt for the rent, signed by Sir Robert Redgauntlet. With my mind fairly in a daze, I rode at once to the castle and demanded to see Sir John. Looking like a fresh thunderstorm, Sir John greeted me with sour words. If you have come with the excuse to save your breath, Dine. Have you brought me the rent? No, sir, I have not. But I brought Sir Robert's receipt for it. But you told me only yesterday that he had not given you one. Well, Your Honor, please look at this bit of writing. Hmm. All right. Hmm. Looks like my father's hand, I must say. This 25th of November, from my appointed place. The 25th of November was yesterday. If you got this receipt, Stine, you must have gone to Hades for it. I got it from your Honor's father, sir. Whether he be in heaven or someplace else, I don't know. And besides... Uh, Sir Robert sent a message to you. He said you were to look for the bag of silver as a catch cradle. I'm beginning to think you're either mad or a sorcerer. And I hope you recall it was only a month ago in the village when a sorcerer was burned at the stake. I admit I have a long, strange tale to tell, sir, but you'll only believe it if we do find that bag of silver as a catch cradle. Oh, I never heard such childish nonsense. I don't know any place around here by that name. Please, sir, ask old Hutchin. He knows things about the castle that everybody else has forgot. All right, all right. You rain, sir? Hatchin, do you know a place about the castle called the Cat's Cradle? Oh, yes, sir. It's a ruinous turret long out of use, next to the clock house. One can only get to it by a ladder, for the opening's on the outside. Hmm. It's many long years since I've heard anyone inquire about the Cat's Cradle. Thank you, Hutchin. Come along, Steenie. We'll go to the Cat's Cradle and see what we find. Just in case I need it, I think I'll take this pistol that was my father's. For what purpose, sir? It's his silver bullets. And they say that silver bullets are the only kind effective against mad men and sorcerers. Come, Steeny. I hope for your sake I find something up here, Steeny. What? What could that be? Oh, sir, John, that's your father's silver whistle. Come down, sir. Come down. I'm afraid you, well, you'll see that, sir. Nonsense. I'll find out for myself. There's uh, Red Gauntlet's pet monkey, Major Weir. Look, Steenie, it's the monkey that's blowing the whistle. Be careful, Sir John. That monk can be mean, awful mean, sir. Oh, I can take care of myself. Give me that whistle, you little ape. Watch out, the monk will stretch your eyes out. Get away from me! Just get away! Get away! Ah. Can you see inside the turret now? Too bad I had to shoot him. Yes. Yes, now find the bag of silver, Steenie. Little thief of an ape. He stole the bag and hid it there. Now, watch out. I'm coming down. Uh, oh, that's full of the junk the monkey stole. I'll have him clean it out. Well, Sir John, 
I guess you'll have to believe I'm not a liar now. Yes, we've solved the mystery of the missing bag of silver. Perhaps another mystery. I believe it's the monkey that blew the silver whistle those nights. Dugo thought it was my dead father. But we haven't solved the mystery of the receipt, Steenie. But I did talk to your father last night, and he gave me that receipt. For proof, didn't I deliver your father's message to go look at the cat cradle for the bag of silver? Yes, Steenie, and I'm very worried. If this story gets out, uh, you know what the villagers will say. That you must have strange powers. That you must be a, a sorcerer. I know, Sir John. And I was also thinking, it wouldn't be to your credit or your good family's name for the story to get about where your father's gone. But I swear it wasn't in heaven that I found myself last night. Hmm. I see what you mean, Steenie. Well, uh, shall we agree to uh, keep the secret just between us? Aye, Sir John, we'll keep it. Maybe we can tell it someday to our grandchildren, for they'll think they're so modern they won't believe the story anyway. So, listeners, I hope you enjoyed both these stories. I think I'll be moving away from the Halls of Fantasy old-time radio episodes for now, and moving into the Weird Circle radio series. The Feast of the Red Gauntlet is one such story from the Weird Circle series, and there are plenty to listen to. And as the name suggests, their stories are bizarre and memorable. Join me this Friday, you brilliant people, for something different. And if you want to show the podcast some love and be one of the kick-ass people that support the show, you can become a Patreon supporter as well. Check what options are available to you on my Patreon page at www.patreon.com forward slash sfgt. Dead easy. I won't plug it any further. Oh, and if you get a chance, with a couple of seconds spare, I'd love an iTunes review. Helps lovely people like you find this podcast and I'm always hunting for good listeners. Have a great day or night, folks, and join me this Friday for another set of tales. As always, mates, till next, we meet. <laughs>